Okay, so um, we're continuing on with the progression of the Brahma Viharas, if you will. But just as a little recap, we looked yesterday at the quality of compassion, which is a critical element in our practice. Um, you can recall maybe that the act of wanting to end our own suffering is a form of compassion. So it can be, if we're walking the path, we by definition have at least that amount, even if it doesn't feel like you're doing a lot externally or um, so forth. We also talked then about how compassion connects with wisdom. And I thought I'd just say a little supplementary point that might be helpful for um, several of you, which is that there's a distinction between compassion and empathy. Um, so if we're just feeling somebody else's pain, which is what empathy is, is that we, and empathy is natural and that we have these things called mirror neurons and we can, you know, um, uh, connect with others and feel what they're feeling. I see a little note about recording. It is recording. Yes. So, um, I'm feeling your pain of wondering whether or not I'm recording and it's coming through very clearly so to settle that I am recording. So, um, if we're just doing that though and simply absorbing and taking on somebody else's pain, uh, in Buddhist understanding that's not actually very wise uh, in that we're um, converting our, you know, we're taking on an unwholesome mind state from another person, which is uh, something that the practice aims to stop us from doing, <laughs> to stop um, taking in the parts, the things from around us that are not helpful and tune more to the helpful ones. So um, there's a potential if we're only empathic or empathetic to be drained, uh, overly affected by what's around us. And this is what leads to burnout. Now, there's a lot of studies about this in uh, caregivers, for example, and healthcare workers and others. So compassion is different from empathy. Um, compassion has this element of wisdom in it also, of knowing things about suffering, such as suffering is impermanent, suffering is impersonal, um, it just, it's just part of the human condition, and um, you know, it's not anything that we need to uh, fall into and take on, but rather it's an opportunity to connect with another being and uh, feel this wisdom and understand at some deep level um, that there is a way out of that. So compassion becomes more and more prominent, actually, as we become more and more wise. I would suspect that if you have almost no wisdom, it's actually not as easy to have genuine compassion. So that's worth noticing. So this makes all the difference, is that we have some vision that suffering can end. Um, at least that's one way to frame the difference. There are maybe more technical ones, but I think that can be a helpful way to think about it. So this evening, um, We'll be moving on to mudita, appreciative joy, which is um, 
kind of a, another variation of um, this basic foundation of metta that I said at the beginning, that's kind of the fundamental in our tradition. And it's sometimes said that, you know, when the basic heart of openness, friendliness, goodwill encounters some kind of suffering, then it will naturally change to compassion. And some people feel that that's a good interpretation. Some people prefer to think of compassion as actually a completely separate mind state. Um, I think either one is fine. But if you follow the first way, then you would say that in the case of appreciative joy, um, that's what we find when this open, receptive, goodwill heart encounters joy, encounters happiness, success. It naturally lights up and feels also this appreciative joy. So that's a nice way to think about it, I think. Um, so why don't we go ahead and get started with the meditation. Oops, I cut out. Why don't we go ahead and get started with the meditation. So, finding a posture where you can be upright and also relaxed, where you'll be able to sit for a little while. And if you're comfortable doing so, you can close your eyes. And just feel the body sitting, how it feels from the inside. Perhaps feeling the contact point where your seat is against the cushion or the chair, legs or feet against the floor, or if you're lying down, just feeling the sense of the connection with what you're lying on. Hopefully you can lie in a posture where the back is somewhat straight. softening that contact point, letting yourself really connect and sink down into what you're sitting on and feeling that it's supporting you. You can relax, be supported. softening the eyes and the eye sockets. Softening the muscles of the face, the forehead, the jaw. And down through the neck into the shoulder area. Maybe letting the shoulder blades slide down the back.
all the way down to the, the arms, to the hands. to the chest area, the heart area, feeling into the state of the heart. However it feels is fine, but just noticing if you're generally open or a little guarded, the heart feels soft or a little tight, warm. Perhaps breathing through the chest area. Down into the belly area, letting that be soft. Releasing any tightness in the low back, if you can. And down through the hips, upper legs, lower legs, all the way to the feet. So just inviting ease through the body. sense of well-being, allowing that to come into your awareness explicitly, maybe you're relatively physically comfortable right now, it's warm enough, you're sitting somewhere soft. Maybe your belly is full, or maybe there's some mental well-being of just having had a nice walk today, or just anything that feels comfortable in your life. Just allowing that to be a little bit in your awareness. that there are 
many good things happening all over the world right now. At this very instant, there are people who are being generous. There are people who are being kind and compassionate right now all over the place. Parents with their children, caregivers, teachers, friends are enjoying each other's presence. Gifts are being given. People are meditating. There's all kinds of goodness going on in the world right now. We can appreciate that. We can tune into that particular thread of what's going on in the world. Of course, there are other things, but there is this. So the reality of joy and goodness and feeling that in the heart as you breathe in and out. This is the sense of appreciative joy and appreciating the good potential of the human life. As you breathe in and out, you may begin to imagine it as a, a light in the chest. Gathering in the beauty and goodness of the world, concentrating it, and then like a lantern, it shines outward, perhaps on the out-breath. You don't really need to generate it, it's more that you're just tapping into what's there and maybe focusing it like a prism through your heart. You can feel in the body what that feels like. And then as you connect more with this light, this radiation, you can relax the imagination part and just stay with the feeling that's in the body. No need to think about the whole world, just focusing on the shining from the chest area. Just to make sure it's unbounded, we can imagine drawing aside a curtain in front of us, letting it shine to the front, and then to the right, 
drawing back the curtain behind us and to the left just letting this appreciative joy mudita shine unbounded out in all directions and also above and below doesn't need to go any particular distance. Could be just a little shine or it could be farther. We're just not placing any restrictions on it. sense the way the light has to pass through the body in order to shine outward. So you too are being bathed in this joy, the beauty, the goodness passes through your own selves.
gets distracted, when you notice, it's no problem just returning to the simplicity of appreciative joy. Or if the mind gets excited and begins grabbing onto it and trying to make more and more of it, when we notice that, just relaxing, letting it shine naturally, gently. Maybe as you connect with this simple appreciative joy, there can be a feeling that there's a lot of connection with the whole universe in a certain way. No boundary of one's own person. Connection with all beings. This is a temporary form of liberation that the Buddha pointed to. It can happen with any of the heart qualities. Liberation of mind by Mudita. And then we can begin to gently let go of the intention to radiate. 
and just allow the joy to naturally subside while still staying connected to the body and just settle back into an open awareness mindfulness flow of things arising and passing in the body and mind You may wish to connect back in with the breath or the body. Maybe any residual energy that you feel and just having a sense of letting go.
Okay, so Mudita um, is a very interesting one of the Brahma Viharas. It, uh, when we practice it, it has the effect of helping us connect better with other beings uh, and also to become more flexible in our mind. Uh, we understand that the mind is really where goodness and beauty and happiness are rooted. Um, and then it becomes natural that we uh, want to cultivate our own mind and that we can have a better understanding of the minds of other beings. So, as this as things are starting to open up from the pandemic, you may begin to feel this joy of connection. Uh, there's more and more I see uh, people outside together without masks and can see that they're enjoying each other's presence and you know, there's just a feeling, a sort of an internal feeling of some joy of, you know, we're not out of it, but there's an easing in a certain way. I do some um, online exercise classes, and one of the teachers I've been following has recently gone back to in-person, um, and so she's actually getting to be in the room with the people who have come to the class, and they still have the online option, they still have a camera on her for people at home, like me, and there was a totally marked change in her energy level when she came back to the in-person, and she was so um, happy, clearly really happy, and she even said that, oh, self-aware enough to really be clear on that. She was so excited. Sometimes I think um, she looked like she was a little overexcited and um, had gone over into uh, what we call giddiness. I'll talk about that again a little later. Um, but it's just nice to have these connections. Or I, um, I go for a walk often in a, a park near where I live. And just yesterday I was, um, I was there and I ran into um, a woman who was looking up in the tree with some um, I think she had a camera, or did she had a camera or binoculars? And she was so excited because there were two great horned owls in the tree, just in the middle of the day, just sitting there, um, that, you know, waiting to be looked at in a sense. And so I felt fine going over close to her and looking up and she showed me the owls. And then, then she got talking about how she knew where all the swallows' nests were and, you know, and she had seen the red-tailed hawks and where their nest was and so forth and so it was clear that she just knew everything about all the birds in this park and it was just such a sweet moment i really felt like i was celebrating her expertise and getting a chance to partake of some of her goodness uh, yeah so these are just simple the simple ways that we can um, start to experience this quality but it's also easy to notice, we've had this a couple times this um, 
week comments about how doing these practices sometimes brings up their opposites, which is normal because they're purification practices. So you might check also. I'm very well aware that joy can be a dicey topic. Um, there are people who are, don't want to hear about it um, at a given moment. Uh, it can be a little uncomfortable or people think they should have more of it or they, I don't know. So you can check inside if you feel willing to be joyful and happy. Um, some people have a strong habit actually of not wanting to be happy. So it's not easy to have a simple experience of joy and positivity when it comes walking up to you in the form of a woman with a camera in the park. You know, what a simple moment. Um, or, you know, even sometimes more complicated things. We aren't willing to see the joyful side of it. So I alluded already to the changing situation in the evolution of the COVID situation. Um, so at a very basic level, we could connect with the fact that the vaccines work. And so when you step back and you look at that big picture, that is pretty cool. It's pretty cool what humans can do. So I know that then that produces all this niggly stuff about, well, what about these other places and these variants and how it's all been done. It's so bad and inequitable and we don't have this and that. But what's the point of all that, <laughs> really? Um, because of science and human effort and a whole lot of care, a lot of people cared to bring about the changes that we're seeing. We actually have something to celebrate in some way, if we're open to it. So that's, of course, just one interpretation. I'm not implying you need to have the same concept, but humans are pretty amazing. And if we're open to it, there's a lot of opportunities for things like this in the world at small scale and at the large scale. So do you dare? Do you dare to have some joy? <laughs> it's actually kind of an act of courage. I think it's pretty easy to criticize things. So the Buddha said that um, joy is actually a key component of the path. Um, many of his teachings have a particular like set of qualities that go together. Um, I've even heard one teacher call them the happiness pentad of five qualities. And they are gladness, joy, tranquility, happiness, and concentration, or samadhi. And they go together. Um, it's They almost follow on one another when you have some gladness and joy. It's easy to get the mind more settled. And then there's this deeper happiness in the body. And, and that, those are actually the conditions that lead to samadhi lead to gathering of the mind. So there are many flavors of joy and the, the Brahma Vihara is maybe even just one of them, this appreciative joy and there are other kinds, but let's sort of consider them all in the same family, all the different kinds of joy that come up on the path. So, um, so then thinking about this pentad, these words for happiness are connected in with tranquility and concentration. It's interesting. So the kind, we can infer then, that the kind of 
positive emotion that is part of the path um, is somehow related to a being a, a calm kind of joy. Uh, and so the it's said sometimes that the near enemy um, of mudita is something called giddiness. Near enemy being something that maybe looks like it should be mudita or it seems like it, but it isn't quite. And this this quality of giddiness, which is kind of um, you know over the top joy that where we sort of lose mindfulness in it. And I know, we know, we all know what that feels like when we get really excited or into something. And it's okay. I mean, it's still a form of joy, but the Buddha says it has the potential to not be as wise. We may lose wise speech, for example, and we may also um, make it more self-centered. Uh, when we're in that sort of giddy state, it sort of becomes about us in a certain way, and we're not as connected to other people. So we want to stay in the more calm kind of joy. It doesn't have to be a really stereotyped. I mean, the word joy, we need some other word. It's, it's a little, um, um, there's sometimes ideas or expectations about what that looks like, whereas I think the joy the Buddha was pointing toward can be um, simpler, for example. It can be a simple positivity about other people. Um, it can be a simple supportive celebration of their talents when someone is having the chance to show their skill. You know, like what I felt for the woman in the park. Um, it wasn't exactly that she had experienced some kind of success and was wanting to celebrate that and I was feeling that with her. She was just demonstrating her way of being um, that had some beauty and skill to it and I was appreciating that. So I think that's a mild form of, of mudita. So I want to um, share also about the, you know, how this can manifest. This uh, quote from an email I got from a friend who's not at all, uh, she's not a Buddhist practitioner. Um, and I'm going to read kind of the, the nut of it first, and then I'll give you the context. I've shared it before, um, but it's a really good one. So she wrote, you can put a shocking amount of positive energy and goodwill into the world just by being calm, consistent, reliable, and pleasant. So there's the, the heart of it. And this has some of these qualities of the happiness pentad. But the, um, the context of it comes when I read the whole thing, which is that she says, I just finished watching Jeopardy with my mom. And you know, if there's any lesson to be learned from Alex Trebek's life, it's that you can put a shocking amount of positive energy and goodwill into the world just by being calm, consistent, reliable, and pleasant. So apologies if anyone just doesn't get the reference, but um, Alex Trebek was the host of Jeopardy for years and years, and he died in, um, uh, earlier, I guess late last year. And so she was writing just after that. And he was, if anything, he was calm, consistent, reliable, and pleasant. He was there every day encouraging people to come up with the right answer. And he would sort of um, almost uh, frown at them if they said something a little bit, you know, where he knew they could have done better. And then he was happy when they um, got a really hard one. So there you go, Alex Trebek offering a huge amount of positive energy and goodwill into the world. So I think these simple qualities that come from this happiness pentad and the appreciation of goodness and 
you know, of just being positive about people are very common if we let them, you know. And it doesn't mean that we all need to be a sort of a personable, bouncy, upbeat person. That's not part of everyone's personality. Uh, you don't have to change how you are outwardly. But these qualities can grow in us, even if they're mostly internal um, and, and we're not such an expressive or emotional person, say. Um, so these these qualities, um, the Buddha was clear, are important to have as part of our life, as a support for developing the path. And in the end, attuning to joy actually helps the heart become wiser. Uh, you, you can't get there on dourness and dogged effort alone. It's just not going to get there um, all the way. So there has to be um, some kind of uplift, whether it's actively expressed or if it's more subtle inside. Um, some of these qualities are really key. So, yeah. So I, I guess I started by talking about the joy of connection as we move into spring and some more openness than we had before. And it, it's worth noting also, I think, then, that another good quality for such times is equanimity, because um, things are changing. And for some people, the opening up is a little uncomfortable, actually, after a year of or more of somewhat isolation. So that's tomorrow's topic, is to explore equanimity, but for now we have joy, and um, I think I'll stop there and just ask, uh, yeah, open it up for questions.